Father, enable me now to, to prophesy, to speak your word to people in a way that is clear, that they understand, that is for strengthening and encouragement and comfort. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about being useful to God for others. Being useful to God for others. Now, suppose that you were made responsible for what happened here at church at St Edmund's. Suppose the Archbishop got on the phone to you and uh, she said, Ben's been hit by a bus and there's no one else to take on the parish except you. I want you, she says, to aim to make St Ed's a place where people who come to check church out fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. What would you do? And why? Would you try to give church a kind of aura of holy mystery? Maybe dial up the robes and the candles and the special words and the gestures and the movements and the ceremonies, smoke and smells, chants and silence, veilings and unveilings. If you can give the place an aura of holy mystery with people, then kind of discover God's reality and presence and worship him there if that's what it was like? Maybe you think, no, that's not my style. I'm going to try instead to create at church an atmosphere of, of spiritual energy, you know, just surges and crackles. You know, there are strange tongues being spoken by people in slightly carried away states of bliss. People are falling down or laughing. They're overcome. There are raised hands and swaying. There's music and a crowd in semi-darkness and someone at the front saying, God is here. God is in the house. Is that the way you'd go to try and create a place where people said, God is really among you and fell down and worshipped him? What would really help people to know God, to meet God, to begin to worship God. Well, in our passages today from 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul is concerned about this question. What builds faith? What edifies, builds up the church? What does God use to reach and touch people? And his answer in today's passage is that prophesying is the best for this. Now, broadly, I'm taking what Paul means by prophesying to mean understandable words of instruction, of knowledge, of revelation, of strengthening and encouragement that engage the mind and the heart, which are prompted and activated and used by God to build up the members of his church. There's a long, wordy definition for you, but let me run through it again in case you missed that. Because prophesying, what does he mean? I'm suggesting what Paul is talking about is understandable words of instruction, knowledge, revelation, that are strengthening and encouraging, that engage the mind and the heart. They're prompted by God and they're used by God to build up the members of his church. That is at the centre of what Paul says, here is, here is what to aim for in church. So church should not be about mystery, says Paul. 
but about clarity. It should not be about weirdness, but about something understandable that can make sense to everybody. So today I want to look firstly at tongues and prophecy in Corinth in the first century, and secondly, tongues and prophecy in 21st century Wembley. Come with me. Firstly, tongues and prophecy in first century Corinth. Now, previously in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, if you haven't been here, let me remind you even if you have, the Corinthian church was thinking about the gifts and the workings of the Holy Spirit in them. They were thinking about those things according to a kind of ethic of honour which was common in the ancient world and which was being overturned, challenged and eventually replaced by the Christian ethic of love. But according to an ethic of honour, the way you might think about spiritual gifts, workings and activations of the Holy Spirit, for instance, the gift of tongues, is to say, I have this power, this power to speak in tongues, the tongues of angels. It's a sign of my spiritual specialness. Let me show it off in church so you understand the honour that is due to me. You know, that was probably not said out loud, but that's the the mentality, the ethic, the way that uh, a preoccupation with honour and status can distort the understanding of the gifts. And Paul is broadly in these chapters addressing that. Now you might be thinking, what is this tongues of which you speak, Ben? And verse 2 gives a useful definition. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Or in verse 14, Paul says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. The Greek word... uh, translated here tongue is literally the word tongue but can also mean as it does in English language you know if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels the old translation of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 but these tongues these are not languages in any ordinary sense they are outflows of unintelligible speech and I don't know if you've ever heard this or experienced this but it does go on let me tell you Uh, Paul does see tongues as Activated in us by the Holy Spirit. He's not saying to the Corinthians, what is this nonsense you're carrying on with? Stop it at once. No, he says, this is a form of prayer and of praise to God. It's something that's worthwhile for the speaker. It's of spiritual benefit. As verse 4 says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies, that is, builds themselves up. But for Paul, tongues have limitations because they are precisely unintelligible. They are these upwellings of the spirit from within. And they can't, therefore, communicate any benefit to others. Verse 11. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. We are on different sides of a chasm and you cannot reach each other. Or verse 16, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, put in a position of, what's going on here? How can they say, Amen, I agree, I'm joining in 
to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. This is the limitation Paul sees in tongues. Neither, there's another one, can tongues activate and nurture my cognitive engagement with God. So again, in verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, that is true and good, but my mind is unfruitful. More is needed if I am to pray in a full-orbed way. So what shall I do, says Paul in verse 15, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And throughout this passage, Paul is arguing that there is a better gift to want than tongues. And that gift is prophecy. Verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Well, verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. And so again, we'll go back to this question, what is prophecy? Because it's perhaps not something you come across day by day. Broadly, what I'm suggesting is that prophecy is communicating the word of God to others. And this ranges from a revelation from God given to be passed on. And you might think of the kind of Old Testament prophets who say, thus says the Lord, or saw a vision and then related the content of that vision to others. But it ranges down to words of instruction to others concerning God's message to the world. I think prophecy kind of in Paul's broad umbrella includes that end as well. So prophecy kind of gathers up the kinds of speech mentioned, I'm saying, in verse 6. But Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? All those things are the useful speech that Paul is gathering up under the general heading prophecy. So prophecy includes an instructive function, as verse 19 says. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. The other thing I think we can gather about prophecy from what Paul says in this passage is that it is spiritually penetrating. It's a word that God may use to cut to the heart. So verse 24, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. It's a spiritually penetrating word, this word of prophecy. And ultimately, though, the last thing I'll draw out of the passage about it is that it aims to strengthen to encourage and to comfort those it is addressed to. This is back in verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. And according to the Apostle, this is what the church needs, this kind of speech. 
speech that is clear and understandable, that engages the mind, that touches the heart, because it conveys God's word to others and is therefore strengthening and encouraging. It's instructive. It's convicting. So don't be weird and mysterious in church, says Paul. A church full of people just speaking in tongues is totally counterproductive in Paul's mind. Verse 23, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will not say that you are out of your mind? Who are these people babbling on in this mad way? Paul is concerned for clarity, intelligibility. Be plain, he says. Speak in an understandable way, aiming to do people good by sharing God's word and everything that flows out of it. That is the grown-up, the spiritually mature approach. Mystification of whatever kind is spiritually childish. Being fixated on tongues may be part of that childishness. In the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul is not against tongues, but his question is, in church, if I love others, am I going to ask the question, how can I build them up? And the answer to that is, if I can speak to them for their strength and encouragement. So I'm asking, how can I build others up rather than How can I seem more spiritual than others? So, to go back to the absolute banner, verse 1, over it all, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. All right, if that is first century Corinth and Paul's uh, exhortation to the Corinthians, what what will we make of that today? Let's look secondly at tongues and prophecy in 21st century Wembley. Firstly, tongues. Now, I think it's clear from what I've said and what we've heard earlier in 1 Corinthians 12 that tongues are not necessary to church or to the Christian life. If you have the gift, use it. Pray to God with your spirit. Paul had it, used it, valued it. But if you don't have the gift, don't worry. Don't force it. There's no need. It's a gift, not a necessity. Secondly, prophecy. As I pointed out, speaking God's word to others takes different forms, from receiving a revelation to speaking words to instruct others. And I want to suggest that forms of doing this may well have changed over the centuries and may take different forms in different places at different times. Forms of prophecy, that is, of speaking God's word to strengthen Encourage and comfort today, here in Wembley, this morning even, in this service, might include, well, can I suggest reading the Bible? To read the Bible in church with understanding, with prayerfulness and skill and intent and faith, is a way of seeking to communicate to others the Word of God. In fact, when we finish the reading, 
The reader says, hear the word of the Lord. Just like a prophet. To get up and read scripture is to communicate the word of God to others for their strengthening, encouragement and comforting. And to exhort them in prophetic terms. To hear the word of the Lord. To understand it. To give thanks to God for it as we respond, thanks be to God. Or this sermon and any other talk given by Christians to others. They take up the word of God in the scriptures most frequently and they explain it, they apply it to the present as I am seeking to do right now. This is kind of, I think we come under the ambit of prophecy if you lead the service now. In the morning, I do it all the time practically, but in the evening, people are on a roster and it's shared. And if you get up and lead the service, you're rehearsing the truths of God's word. You're urging us to hear them and to respond to them as you welcome us to the service and lead confession and thanksgiving and sending people out. All of this also is speech that is designed to instruct and strengthen and encourage and lead people to worship God. But even Aside from all the formal structures of this service, individual contributions to conversations, I suspect, can come under Paul's umbrella of prophecy. But as we sit at morning tea and listen to others and process what they say in the light of God's word and respond in a way that aims to build the other person's faith in God, in knowledge of God, their strength to follow God, that that is a prophetic ministry. It is seeking to communicate God's word to others. It's seeking to speak to others for their strengthening, comfort and encouragement. Prophesying is a gift open to all. And Paul wants everyone to have it and exercise it at some level. It's ideally shared by all Christians. The very first uh, Christian preaching included the prophecy of Joel, which read, In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. With the mark of the prophetic ministry amongst all those who received the spirit was said by Peter to be the characteristic of this new age, this new church. Paul pictured church as a place where you could walk in in verse 24 and discover everyone is prophesying. Everyone is sharing a word from God, a clear, understandable word that addresses the heart, that convicts of sin, that lays bare the heart's secret and brings people to worship God, to say, God is really among you. In verse 12, Paul says, try to excel in those gifts which build up the church. It's addressed to all Christians, and I'm addressing it to you this morning. Try to excel in those gifts which build up the church. So work on developing your prophesying. Don't be too intense about it. You know, you can bail up the stranger and say, have you repented yet of your sins? Uh, Perhaps you don't want to be the kind of person who kind of weighs into all controversy with a vengeance. Someone says something and you say, that view is totally unbiblical and unacceptable. And I'll tell you why. Let me instruct you. can be a little bit over the top if you're thinking, I must prophesy, I must speak the word to this person. Follow the way of love, says Paul. 
prophetic ministry is to be exercised in love, which is for the good and the upbuilding of the other. Now, can I suggest Bible studies are a great place to learn, to talk better about God's Word and to share God's Word. To talk to others for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. Now, in Bible studies, there might be some confrontation, there might be some discomfort involved as things are battered around and debated perhaps to some degree. But the outcome of all that is growth. Growth of understanding, growth of faith, growth of trust, growth of love. And so can I say, if you want to work on your prophesying, I suggest that joining a Bible study is a good way to do that. My Bible study is starting up again this coming Wednesday. I know some of you are in it, but if you would like to join, please come and see me about that. Uh, If you can't come to mine on a Wednesday night, start bugging me about it. When can we have another Bible study that I can go to? Because I'd like to see, as you you read the priorities, more of that. But let me just finish by saying, wouldn't it be great if more and more of us were more and more useful to God, able to edify the church, that is one another, because we prophesied more and more. That is, we communicated God's word to others in love for their strengthening and their encouragement. Let's pray. Father, teach us to follow the way of love and to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. We thank you for the way that you give your Holy Spirit to your people and that we can know your word and communicate your word to others. And so we pray, Lord, that you would activate that ability in us in our own way Lord maybe we'll have a certain way we we are able to do that and do it well but develop us Lord in all our different ways that we can speak to one another for our encouragement our strengthening and our comfort we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Amen